we could talk it. about Andre 3000's new album. Oh, okay. Well, if you've listened, have to you it, listened to it? No, but I, I I like him though. Have you listened to it? Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, it's all flute. At least, oh, is that really all it is? Yeah, you, it's yeah. Oh wow, I saw people joking about that, but I, I didn't believe that was actually real. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a joke. Oh wow. Okay. Well, did you like it? I liked it as much as I would like that sort of thing. <laughs> It's a holiday week this week, and so the news cycle has slowed down to a crawl, mm -hmm. which is a nice break from the normal breakneck speed <laughs> of awfulness that we're unfortunately kind of used to. But there's still some stuff going on, and, and one of those was the lawsuit that e Elon Musk uh, launched against Twitter. I, Sorry, that Elon Musk <laughs> launched against Media Matters, the progressive media analysis group. And he's basically trying to say that they committed fraud by saying that he put ads against some neo-Nazi content. And it's this is just pure intimidation. There's no way that this is going to work. But yeah. what's even more disturbing is that he has seemingly enlisted the Texas Attorney General and the Missouri Attorney General, both Republicans. This and this, this all sort of well. started because Stephen Miller tweeted about he he basically planted the idea in Elon's brain. Mm -hmm. Tweeted um, it. Yeah. Tweeted. tweeted the fraud is a civil and criminal violation and encouraged him to reach out to he said there are two dozen plus conservative attorneys general and that you sh and left it there. And then Elon ran with yeah. that. Yeah. And it, and it was a, actually a really good illustration, I think, of how the, it was like a public version of the stuff that normally happens behind the scenes of how mm -hmm. the Republican politicians and activists will jump at the chance to serve a billionaire oligarch if they can get their attention. And normally they, they do that stuff behind closed doors, but this time as after Stephen Miller did his tweet, those guys jumped into action, lickety split. And, and announced know, it via Twitter, which is a way for them to get attention for what is ultimately a big theatrical show that will go nowhere and they know that. Yeah. I and mean, first of all, Media Matters is based in DC, operates mm -hmm. out of DC. So yeah, yeah. I'm not sure why, like the lawsuit was filed in Texas. Uh, it's probably because jurisdiction well, cause, shopping. That's why. Yeah, exactly for a favorable venue, but like it'll that ultimately means nothing. Yeah, and although I I think maybe Elon Musk moved Twitter's headquarters to Texas, also corporate headquarters, perhaps. Mm. I think legal headquarters. I'm not sure, but you know, so whatever it is, I mean, it's. So basically, yeah, I mean, the, the controversy is that they 
Media Matters had done a study where they found that that Twitter, aka X, like I, which it, it's anyway, that's <laughs> it's a whole stupidity. But we're 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 getting used to it now, I guess. And that they had placed ads for big companies like IBM and various Comcast um, Universal properties on neo-Nazi accounts. And like okay. that is, it's definitely a change that Musk had put into place at Twitter because he had driven away so many advertisers normally. Because in the past, they didn't place ads in replies on Twitter because... Yeah, that was something that he did when after spending so much money on a, po- a platform that wasn't worth nearly what he paid for it. Yeah, and he's only become less worth since he paid for it. Yeah. And he- like... Yeah, and then also he keeps making the ads more and more uh, dishonest. Like not because in, in the past they were under the previous management they were clearly labeled as an ad. You could see that's what it was, and then he has moved that little disclosure into this teeny little thing in the corner, mm-hmm. which you can barely see unless you're paying attention. And then he also changed it so that the regular posting of links became just the image. And the domain, which is, and he, he claimed, oh, it was just for the aesthetics. I wanted it to look yeah. better. But the real reason I think we've seen now is that he wanted you to not be able to tell what is an ad. And like, it, I think that's definitely the case for me when I use Twitter now that I'll be scrolling down and reading some discussion. And then there's some random ass <laughs> reply there. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Oh, it's an ad. Fuck you, Elon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this, I don't, uh, it's funny because I didn't see this used in any of the coverage, but I'm pretty sure this qualifies as a slap suit, which is a strategic lawsuit against public participation. I've had to write about them previously, but it's the, the whole idea is just that like, it's just, it's meant to menace and to threaten and to scare and to chill any kind Mm -hmm. of what he perceives as attacks on him. But generally, I mean, the funny thing is that the lawsuit itself, if you read through it, there's actually a mention of the fact that the very point that Media Matters made is true. That there was, that there have been times where ads with offensive content appeared next to, or I'm sorry, offensive content appeared in the same stream as ads from large buyers. So I, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous that the lawsuit was even filed. When you file mm-hmm. a lawsuit and you cop to the charge being made, <laughs> yeah. that's, Kind of undermines your pointless. point. The, the other thing that I love about this story is that there are, of course, the moment that he um, started started shedding these advertisers, a bunch of right-wingers announced that they were going to help support him. Oh, I think yeah. that the, <laughs> there's, a, there's a handful that have committed to buy advertising just to help him make up for the, his losses. And Tim Pool is one of them. Gavin McInnes is one of them. The Babylon Bee guy is another one. I don't, I don't know all of them, but but together, oh, I'm sorry, Andrew Tate. Sorry, Andrew Tate oh, is in that course. list. <laughs> and Andrew Tate has, uh, he has committed to a million dollars a month for the indefinite future. And Mashable actually looked into this. He doesn't have that money in his reserves. When, Ramon- when Romanian authorities like arrested him, they looked into his assets <laughs> and he only had $10 million. So if he's planning on doing that for a year, then he's going to be completely 
he's going to be ne- negative two million in the hole. Anyway, the the likelihood that this is going to actually pan out is a little ridiculous because it's over months and. As Masterful pointed out, there's like Apple alone spent a hundred million dollars in advertising on yeah. Twitter in a single year. So good luck. I mean, dummies keep throwing your money at it if you want to. <laughs> it, it's all the same to me, but it's it's silly that they're like they're spending their time trying to make sure that the world's richest man gets their money to try to save him from being rightly accused of boosting and agreeing with classic anti-semitic messaging yep yeah no i i I do i do love that they're (laughs) they think it's gonna don't worry elon we'll save you yeah we're please please just give me a little retweet there please yeah that's really what it is and it's because some people suggested it if you search for i think a few people had done how hitler there were some other things but you can do it with anything i i'm not going to mm-hmm. tell you the term that i used but i i searched for some pretty offensive terms and ads did come up but i did notice that someone pointed out that when they posted the word cracker in a context that you were you understood it to be a reference to white people they did get a takedown threat from twitter which is Amazing because you can use pretty much any other offensive term. What's considered yeah. an offensive term? I mean, this is a slightly different topic, but it just that's the kind mm-hmm. of thing that Twitter sees fit to censor now. Yeah, and like, and I noticed last night that I had a. I was looking at this white nationalist account on the on Twitter, and then because I you have you, because you have similar politics for research, <laughs> and I, I was uh, just doing that, some research on. I looked at it for literally like two or three minutes and then i come back into my twitter feed later in the day and it's like recommended follow friendly (laughs) neighborhood fascist and it's like and and it it, this this lawsuit's going to go nowhere but it's it's really notable also besides just the flagrant contradiction of itself legal but it's also that he's he's basically saying i'm so committed to free speech and i'll sue you if you disagree with me (laughs) if you criticize me for it like that's that's not how free speech works, guy. <laughs> right. Um, and if the right wing were ever going to be cowed or shamed by hypocrisy, they it would have worked by now. It, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I saw right before we came online to chat that there was a tweet that Alon sent a few hours ago that had classic. Alon imagery. He's holding a sword in front of an American flag, and it oh, says, this is, "There's a large graveyard filled with my enemies. I do not wish to add to it, but will have given no choice. Those who pick fights with me do so at their own peril. But maybe this is their lucky day." <laughs> it just it just summed up just the pathetic nerdiness and yet absolute kind of ineffective sword waving saber rattling whatever of elon musk it just it's it's everything that you kind of like it's laugh at on the internet <laughs> yeah yeah you know basically but the other thing is that like we keep seeing with uh, the abortion referenda and various other ones they can't get it through either the popular vote or some they were afraid to repeal obamacare and they, they've been afraid to repeal things like social security or medicare medicaid so the courts they're really important to the right-wing agenda and there was an appeals court 
in St. Louis had just ruled in favor of some right-wing plaintiffs who were trying to, and th this has been an ongoing project of, of the Republican Party since the far right took it over to basically try to remove as much of the Voting Rights Act as they can. And their latest attempt at doing that was to push this Arkansas case in which they were trying to stop private citizens and, and organizations from suing under the Voting Rights Act to identify things that they believe to be violations of mm -hmm. whatever nature. and Which is overwhelmingly uh, how those suits are brought. The Attorney the, General, DOJ, can bring those lawsuits, and now they're saying that they're the only ones that can. But in, in the past, generally, it's been groups like the NAACP that mm -hmm. have brought those, those suits, and they're trying to make that not a thing. Which yeah. is very likely. I mean, obviously, it's going to be appealed to the Supreme Court, and it's it's. Uh, I I think just because of how the Alabama redistricting case went earlier this year, that it's where actually voting rights won out. It's it's this is so extreme that we might not see chance. the court. Yeah, we might might not see a majority go with that, but. I, but obviously it's really scary. I mean, after Shelby County, Shelby County versus Holder, which is of the 2013 lawsuit that ended with essentially, I mean, you could, it gutted the Voting Rights Act, but it specifically mm -hmm. targeted sections four and five and basically opened the floodgates for all kinds of mm -hmm. voter suppression. I think it, this is a natural sort of follow-up to that. Like they're whittling away at what was considered probably the biggest achievement of the civil rights era. Yeah. And it's, it's another example of this idea that there is a reasonable conservatism that you can, you can just let them have this one victory here and then, and then nothing will follow after that. And that's not how it works. It never, it never works that way. And we've seen that with the various gun gun rulings that they've created over the years that began with the, the Heller case. And, and now you have, I mean, tons of states now that allow open carry of firearms in places like a store. You can go shopping at, at Walmart or something with a submachine gun in your hand. And, and like, this is the type of environment that they want to create for people that um it's not an exaggeration like people often like shows like or or books like the handmaid's tale or something like I, I a lot of times moderate democrats they'll look at that and just say oh that's just alarmism and it's like no guys this this is what they want and and, and in the well, case stuff with that this, they've actually done to non-white people already but the most under the most, most dystopian fiction vision. It, it might happen to white people too, which is mm. always interesting. Yeah. We well, you know, actually that that's an interesting question has there, that would be a, a really interesting uh, premise of having somebody like one of those body switching type movies where somebody was uh, put into a slave's body or put into a, a gym, a, a white person had to experience Jim Crow as a black person or slavery. A, well, that's literally what black like me is. No, no, I know that. No, but I'm saying, but in, in the modern sort of dystopian genre, like I, I mean, that hasn't I, I, been done. Yeah, it has. has I, it? I, I can't, it, it might've been done and I'm just not aware of it, but I, but I do think mm -hmm. that that's like a running theme of so much like dystopian fiction is like, 
imagine if this happened and it's like, oh, but that has happened. It just hasn't occurred to white people <laughs> that it might happen to them. And I guess that's the dystopian part of it. Yeah. Just to springboard off what you were saying. The other thing I just took from this was like the consequences of, we heard so much about courts ahead of Trump and certain people on the left saying the court specifically, they were singling out the Supreme Court, but kind of recognizing how how immense the consequences of elections can be because the appointee who kind of kicked this up the ladder or the, the judge who initially ruled on this case, which was brought in Arkansas by the ACLU, that judge ruled that they basically didn't have the standing to bring the case because it he no longer believed that Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act was valid, right? And so that's why it was appealed to the higher court. That judge that originally in Arkansas handed down that appoint, handed down that decision that, it, that they didn't have standing was a Trump appointee. And the judge that we saw at the next level in the 8th District Court or whatever it is was also a Trump it's, appointee. Yeah. So yeah. I, these are folks that Trump put on the federal bench, which he did at a clip unseen. Previously, like there, there's consequences for that. It's really something to think about as we roll into the election year. Yeah, yeah, and and like the a lot of Republicans have had this idea that re Republican leaning people they've understood that that's the courts matter more to mm -hmm. them than whether they liked uh, Mitt Romney or Donald Trump or whoever. They didn't have to like him, but they were like, well, we need those judges that will protect my view of how things should be. And that viewpoint hasn't been as common on the political left. And it's like, uh, there was somebody that was talking about the the Palestine-Israel conflict in that context as well. They're like, well, so if you don't like Biden's position on Palestine, wait till you hear about Donald Trump's. <laughs> And, and that's the thing, like, obviously nobody likes the idea of, the, of a lesser of two evils, but if you want to have something other than that, then you have to stop letting evil win. <laughs> that's the yeah. first step. That's yeah. the first step. And so, but yeah, so this is just another, another example of that. And I, and I guess I, we inadvertently have planned a very legal centric episode. <laughs> just oh, realizing we have. That. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that either. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, moving right along the docket. Mm -hmm. So I guess sort of in entertainment news, the biggest thing that happened this week is that Kathy Ventura, who was a performer for a period, I don't think so much anymore, but had been in a relationship that was connected a lot to her visibility with Sean P. Diddy Combs, Sean Diddy, he's known as Diddy now Combs. And one, I've never seen a complaint like this before. It had a trigger warning, but it detailed basically a decade of physical, sexual, psychological abuse that- um, Stalking. Stalking, just really, really horrific mistreatment. And the, they ended up settling out of court roughly 24 hours later, but I, one, the, the, I didn't read the, the entire, I did skim the case notes, but I didn't read it in detail. One, because it was pretty awful. The details were pretty awful, mm -hmm. but also this just really felt like finally somehow Diddy's chickens coming home to roost because there have been 
rumors about his abuse of various partners for as long as he has been in entertainment and, and just nothing has stuck. Questions related to women in his life, also just to business partners. He's mm-hmm. been accused of doing lots of really awful stuff. Obviously, none of us were there for it and he hasn't ever been indicted or anything. But his response to this case surely signals that she had evidence that he was worried about. Yep. And yeah, I mean, day, day one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was very, very quick to settle this case. And I don't know. I mean, uh, the thing that I'm sort of, uh, I'm not grateful that this has happened, but I, I'm glad to see that she's speaking out. I think if this were 10 years ago or definitely 20 years ago, we would never have seen that case. And we did, we did I mean, we know we literally never saw that case, right? And this is person. Mm-hmm. This is a person who has a, a history of some infractions, but nothing to to this level, and nothing this detailed. And yeah. for me, it was it was heartening in the sense that, and you and I have spoken about this kind of on background. But the Me Too happened in 2017, and everyone talked about how it turned the industry, the entertainment industry, upside down, and it had this huge had this sea changing impact. And we didn't mm-hmm. see that so much within the world of hip hop. And there mm-hmm. are so many women who we now know or who even at the time spoke out about some of the abuses they'd experienced and it just it got very little traction and a lot of those men continue to be some of the most revered men in hip-hop i'm specifically thinking about d barnes who i mean dr Dre has basically admitted and made attempts i guess to apologize for this in more recent years but he he Dr. Dre beat the crap out of Dee Barnes and went because she spoke up in the early 90s, her career was ruined. I mean, she was on track to be one of the most visible hip hop journalists and her career ended. She talks about still getting migraines from that beating. She has also talked about the consequences of not being able to have a job and living paycheck to paycheck. There, Drew Dixon, if you haven't, she has a, a documentary that I watched that came out a few years ago about Russell Simmons repeatedly sexually assaulting her. Her career was ruined. She was a higher up at Death Jam, and that was it for her, right? She discovered some of like the biggest folks in hip hop, and suddenly she was just kind of erased from that history. I think that she has only been rewritten into the record in recent years with kind of the cultural shift that happens. But there's, you know, when we think about what the consequences of sexual abuse and sexual assault are, it's not just the horrific things that visits upon the lives of very often, though not always women in these industries, but the fact that it drives people out. There are people whose careers are ended. That's Mm -hmm. Who are, who are really talented, yeah. Yeah, who are incredibly um, talented. And even in recent years, like I, the, all the stuff that happened with Megan Thee Stallion with the Tory Lanez case where there were people making jokes about her. I mean, this is a really awful thing. Just again, the details Tory Lanez shot at Megan Thee Stallion. He's been sentenced now. I mean, there was ultimately a guilty verdict in the case, but she didn't even want to implicate him initially. She was so concerned about what the blowback would look like. And that was 2021. So it's a really, really slow pro- like procession towards something better. And I feel like this case has 
kind of gives confidence to people to come forward. Although we also saw people saying that because she took the settlement, and I'm not going to name, but there were some uh, black blog journalists, I hesitate to even use the word journalists, but who, <laughs> who, who said that the fact that she settled meant that none of this had actually happened, right? That she was lying, that she was just, that she had left this billionaire and now she'd settled with this other normal person and she just so needed dollars. And yeah. I mean, every time someone says something like that, they basically verify why the person didn't come forward before that. Yeah. I'll, now I will say one person who, I guess he wasn't really expressing support for Cassie, but 50 uh, Cent. 50 Cent. Yeah. He made a, a Instagram post, which he deleted in which he said that that Combs had paid that money real quick, should have done that before the sharks saw the blood in the water. And here they come in five, four, three, two, one, every woman he put his hand on. <laughs> and and, you know, and there's, a, there's actually a long e-trail of 50 Cent talking about Diddy and just not always, look, I'm not down with or in support of the stuff where he like goes off on these like, gross homophobic rants or it's a, there's a lot mm -hmm. of shit like that embedded in the stuff that he said but he has certainly in the past on multiple occasions and there's a recording that goes back like 10 years but also when he's done like drink champions and stuff like that or he's talked about diddy and just kind of like hinted at some pretty nefarious stuff that goes on at his house like this was not the first time it just kind of it was like there was finally like the verification of that all of all this stuff that 50 cents been alluding to for years. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the other obstacles that a lot of these stories face in coming out to the public is that besides the fact that the victims, well, I guess we have to say the alleged victims that they, they fear the, what the consequences they may receive for it. But it's also that the journalists who covered these stories are also threatened and their editors are threatened, their publications are threatened. And that was a huge part of why the the Jeffrey Epstein stories, because like, again, this was a guy who had had a decades long history and every, everybody that had any sort of even two or three degrees removed connection to the guy knew that he was a sexual abuser, serial rapist kind of guy, pedophile. Like there was a very common knowledge, but that story took decades to come out because all these editors kept getting threatened and and, and the journalists they they couldn't do anything about it and so yeah. that's yeah so like it's i mean it takes a team of people to keep stuff like this quiet so when we've seen these stories come out diddy or bill cosby or r kelly mm -hmm. or epstein they're not doing this by themselves they have a whole they have lots of people on the payroll that help them do this, right? And if it means flexing their muscle yeah. in various ways, they'll do that. And also, I think it's important to recognize that there is the role of race that looms over a story like this, because most of the well, women who are involved, too, yeah. the women who are involved are black women. The society is much less likely to see them as victims. There's a whole other kind of demonization and vilification that happens after they come forward with allegations of assault or abuse and different there's a, a very different yeah. way black women are sexualized in a very different way and there's a, a certain idea about black women's sexuality that is often let people off the hook and there's also within I, I think a lot of black women are very conscious of the way that historically black men have been falsely implicated in generally by white women but also by an a, a, a society that's deeply steeped in anti-blackness 
around the black men's sexuality and charges of abuse, right? And black women not wanting to add to that. I mean, I know that was something that Beverly Johnson talked about, why she was one of the people that didn't speak up about Bill Cosby. So there's this well, yeah, race in there. Especially in his um, case, yeah, because like he was one of the earliest nationally known, super admired guy. Yeah. And yeah, like people were afraid to yeah. go after that, to to take someone down who absolutely deserved it, but they, they they were afraid of what it would redound to everybody else. But I but that idea just that race is at play on both sides here for both mm-hmm. the the alleged abusers and the women who don't expect to be believed because because we mm-hmm. and we know that statistically they are less likely to be believed for things they've experienced that women overall don't tend to be believed for. So yeah, yeah. Well, and, it's, and, no, well, it, yeah. Oh no, and and like I mean, another example of that would be um, that there was that Instagram post that you sent me from Azalea Banks talking about how she had been sexually, I guess, abused by. Diplo for a long time in the early beginnings of her, in the beginning of her career. she was 17. Yeah. Yeah. She was really young Um, when she came out. Yeah. And like, but if you go and look at his Wikipedia page right now, it's not there. That allegation, and that's clearly something that should be in there, given how famous that he is and how famous that she is. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's, it's a no-brainer that that should be in his Wikipedia page, but it's nowhere to be found. And uh, and granted, he's not. I mean, he's kind of cross genre uh, as a as a musician, so it doesn't yeah. completely tick the box for hip hop. But but it, it ticks the box of what you're talking about that that black women who do speak up about sexual abuse are less likely to be taken seriously about it because, well, as you were saying about the 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 way that black women are their sexuality is presumed in society it's it's leaning more toward in in the idea it's like innately non-normative that is it that is the way that people think about black women like highly sexualized they they can't be victimized much less on the idea yeah on the the madonna side of the scale and much more on the whore side yeah and regardless like yeah unless you're like a 50 something plus matronly looking woman. Right. Then you can have some sympathy, but uh, and, and, and if also, you're not that, then you get, then you get nothing. And also if you're swimming in or trying to get ahead in these waters that are, I mean, hip hop, and it's hard to know it's chicken or egg, right? It's hard to know if it is so uh, heterosexual and male centric because of the way that women haven't had space to, to grow in within hip-hop or if i i don't i'm sure these things egg each other on or are related but you know it's a it's a very male-centric heteronormative world and i think that there's also that pressure you're it's a this boys club so you don't want to if you want to know if you want a career you have to be able to roll with some some stuff right you have to be able to laugh Mm -hmm. at some of those jokes that maybe you didn't think are funny i mean that's mm-hmm. that's I'm sure that that's like embedded in the culture. So, yeah, yeah, a bunch of reasons to not come forward, a bunch of reasons to worry that you won't be believed, a bunch of reasons to think that it might be the end of your career if you say anything. So this lawsuit feels like a really big deal in that sense. And I 
I actually hope that if there are other folks who, and again, there, these allegations have been floating around mm. for a really long time. If there are other folks that have experienced the stuff at the hands of Diddy or, or anyone in that world, that they will come forward. I'm not saying that they'll be de- dethroned though, because obviously, I mean, six, nine, like mm-hmm. XXX Tentacion, like even I mean, Quavo, like yeah, that's I mean, all recent, I mean, very hell, recent years. Kanye West being a Nazi, like he's been a Nazi for 15 years. And it was only when he publicly said it that he was a Nazi did people actually believe it. But you can be damn sure that all of these people saw that, but they were afraid to come forward. And so, yeah, hopefully this is the start of of something better, but we'll see, I guess. So this is a holiday week and hopefully everyone has had a nice Thanksgiving. But one of the good things that I saw and the lead up to the holiday is that a lot of these stores that in previous years, major stores like these big box stores uh, that in previous years have been open, which means they have forced people to come and do their jobs and their service area jobs on a major holiday. So they're away from their families are going to be closed there this year, which is a nice rare thing for capitalism. Uh, let's see. So Walmart's going to be closed. I think that's probably the biggest one. Walmart's going to be closed. Target's going to be yeah. closed. Costco's going to be closed. Non 24 hour locations of CVS are going to be closed. Most Walgreens are going to be closed. Kroger won't be closed, but it is going to close early instead of keeping normal hours. Sam's clubs will be closed. I mean, you can look you have access mm-hmm. to the internet, dear listener. So I'm sure you could find the <laughs> list yourself, but it's just kind of a, I always feel bad that on these, that you can close on a holiday and people will survive for the most part if, if they can't they won't go hate out. They you for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, it, it's awful that people have to go do their service industry jobs on holidays. And I'm glad that there's a little less of that this year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, although I guess people are still glad to be able to get some last-minute stuff on uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, you'll just have to plan ahead this year. I mean, I know, yeah, which is what people used to do in the uh, past. Like, get it together, people. How did we survive? <laughs> how did we survive? But you know what, though, I the other thing though is that the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday is also that's also changed as well because people, I think generally got tired of having to show up at the butt crack of dawn. Yeah, 3 a.m. and or, or and, camping out, which we also saw for a while there. Yeah. And then I guess the retailers also eventually figured out, well, why do we have to restrict our sales to just one day? Yeah. And it was like light bulb <laughs> moment for them. And so now it's it's a, just a lot more convenient for everybody to do that. And and they're making money and people are getting good deals. So there are there is some progress in this world so but yeah anyway i hope everybody had a good thanksgiving and we'll see you guys next week and i will see you next week too they won't see us but i will see you while we audio <laughs> record well, i have it's to go uh, running and it's pitch black outside so yeah that is the worst part of this uh, time of year i absolutely Daylight. I, this season just hit me really fucking hard. It really, yeah. I really, I dread but, when it's coming. And at least when December twenty first like, happens, I, I know 
mentally that the days are getting longer. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah, no, it's like well, and and there is a reason that so many cultures have these festival of lights in December. Yeah. Then it, it's so funny because the the right wing has that saying we need to remember the reason for the season mm -hmm. and it's like no guys the season is the reason <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and you should remember that but yeah and it's it sucks we stop saving light uh during the time right? that we need it the most right? what the fuck <laughs> that know? oh my god yeah so i mean I hell know. like if if i had my druthers what we would do is we'd have it like <laughs> go forward in in the fall rather than than backwards yeah so but yeah it sucks that things are dark and it's five o'clock so yeah i mean i'm uh, glad i don't live in norway or alaska but yeah that's true that's true but we we will handle it we will. yeah all right i hope your greens come out well yeah i, I hope so i have to make a vegan version this year oh man no, no, I'm making two. I'm, I'm making. Two. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm not doing that to people. My grandmother's like rolling over in her grave. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I'll look out for this and listen as soon as you, whenever you get done tomorrow okay. or Thursday. Yeah. Well, or whatever day I do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Take care. See you later. Bye. Bye.